Hello guys, welcome back. This is Corsahee, Corsahee.com. As today, we are back for another podcast episode, one day away from the NBA Finals. And we got tons of breaking news to talk about, much more than yesterday on Monday's podcast episode. As we have trade rumors, LeBron James reports, and different things like that. As always... To kick off the show, we just want to take a few minutes to talk about social media and things like that. So, without further ado, let's get jumping right into this. Talking about everything that is knocking down um, our NBA doors that are, I don't want to say disrupting, but are causing a scene in the NBA world and so much more. A lot of this news is not going to be surprising. Some of it may be, some of this may be like, whoa, taking a step back. Some may be exciting for Portland Trailblazers fans, Laker fans, uh, Pelican fans. We have it all from negative news to positive news to like neutral news. We've got it all. And then we're going to be breaking down the NBA Finals as it is coming Tomorrow night at 6 p.m. on ABC. Without further ado, let's start talking about social media. As always, you can find us on twitter.com slash courtsahe, instagram.com slash courtsahe We are the that is the only social media handle that has the word NBA in it. So again, that's courtsahe. NBA for Instagram.com, Facebook.com slash Courts of Heat, Tumblr.com slash Courts of Heat, Rumble.com slash Courts of Heat, YouTube, um, type, uh, uh, type um, and Courts of Heat, one word, all together, three separate words. you still be able to find us both ways. And yeah, just we'll start watching sick highlight videos. Remember, you can always find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcast and yes, even Spotify as we are branching out everywhere. And I think even Overcast, somehow we made it on Overcast. And I, I'm not too sure what that is. I get it a podcasting service. I don't know if that goes through uh, Apple or not. I am not too sure. All I know is we're even on there. We're everywhere as we've just been talking about the NBA Finals. Just talk about everything. We want you guys to be on the know as this is pot as this podcast is coming out daily in full full effect. Um, last thing I want to talk about is is if that if you guys have not watched yesterday or listened to yesterday's podcast episode, I highly recommend listening to that podcast episode because we talk about a lot of good things, detailing the NBA finals, a lot of hypotheticals. A lot of what ifs. We also talk about game three, how bad that was for the Phoenix Suns, but we should not have been surprised entirely, right? I also talk about Scott Foster, um, and I'm gonna be talking about him some more. Um, Monty Williams has said some things about uh Giannis and the referees, and we all know he was really meaning it for Scott Foster. As, um, as, yeah, it's cra- it's crazy if you're going to do think about it. We have all this breaking news and more, but the main piece we all been waiting for is the NBA Finals. 
But before we get into that, if you guys did not listen to yesterday's podcast episode, or if you did, you know that we're talking about our brand new ebook. Now, it's set to release within the next few weeks, as it is in the developmental stage. It is in the uh, writing stage, uh, grammar checking stage, just different stages like that before we can actually publish it. This is going to be a huge book on the Phoenix Suns, detailing their journey, their triumph through defeat, their victories from small victories to huge victories, the 2018 controversy, the Isaiah Cannon to Chris Paul effect, the Ricky Rubio effect. We talk about why you need a point guard and why a point guard helps your shooting guard which, if you guys have not realized, our shooting guard is our franchise part, which is Devin Booker. We outline all the crazy statistics. We talk about the NBA bubble. We bring facts. We bring cool things that have never been addressed ever before in the e-booker book in general. This is going to be awesome. You... um. Many of you guys are already hyped for this book that come out as we've been talking about it because the Suns have been electrifying, has been, had never been this dominant since their last puff journey. Now it was a decade ago. It's been 28 long years and we detail their journey from 2018 when they got DeAndre Ayn to now as we're just going to be talking about everything playoffs, NBA Finals, we're going to be putting this all in many, many chapters, and we are so, so excited, we can't wait for this book to be launched everywhere, it's just going to be mind-blowing, all the things that you did not know, or maybe you didn't know, but you need to be refreshed on, but these are facts, these are things that were never talked about before, not by the mainstream media, not even by your own local um, uh, podcast, I, I don't really, local networking, just like, on local, like, on local channels, like, featuring sports, NBA, that kind of thing, right? So, this is going to be a really exciting opportunity for us to debut this, and we're very pumped for this. We cannot wait for this book to be published across all of the different platforms so you can get ebooks and different things like that. We'll keep you guys posted daily. We'll keep you guys in the know in each podcast episode. But that's where we're at right now. We're almost done with another chapter, another detailed chapter, as we're actually talking about the um, NBA bubble right now, which is a huge topic because it goes deeper than just Devin Booker. It goes deeper than just the a no run. It has so many hidden things in there, and I'm not... And I'm not exaggerating. If you actually break that NBA bubble and how we have transformed from it, it is extraordinary. And we have it all right there. Just tons and tons of content and layers of just awesomeness. And we cannot wait for you guys to get it, have your hands on it. And it's going to be exciting. And without further ado... That is all I have to say about the social side of it, about the uh, ebook side of it. Now, what we all been waiting for, let's talk about some breaking news. Let's run through it. Let's run through it because 
I've been breaking this down on Quartzate Heat. Remember, go to QuartzateHeat.com to get all of the breaking news, all of the in-depth stuff from short-form to long-form articles and everything in between. We talked about a lot of this stuff. The first I'm going to talk about, you guys probably heard already from yesterday, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, is that LeBron James, when he was sent in an interview with Smartlass, uh, Smart I believe that was the interview in the podcast that he was on, they were, t- they were talking about Space Jam, but they also came across a topic about LeBron James's career. What's his future? Because when his contract ends in 2022 to 23, he'll be uh, 38 years old. The 36-year-old right now, LeBron James, said on record that he wants to finish his career in L.A. with the Los Angeles Lakers. And he wants to play at least, at least four more seasons. He said he'd be four, five, six, or seven more seasons. He does not know. Now, of course, concerns have been raised because, of course, no, let me restart that. Of course, concerns can be raised because even by the man himself has talked about his injuries. He even said he's on record about interviews and post-game um, reports about him saying he'll never be the same after this season. Will will we see a decline in him? He is 38 years old. I mean, pardon me. He is 36 year old, 36 years old. So when his contract, his two year, 86 million dollar contract does expire in the 2022 the 23 season, we'll be seeing a 38 year old Braun trying to play at least four more seasons from this point now to how many more contract extensions if he's going off yearly or just like two or three year contracts how insane would it be like whether you hate the man or not or you disagree with him personally from an off the court basketball perspective put that aside imagine just him as an athlete just him as a basketball player the dude is phenomenal he will go down as one of the greatest of all times in my personal opinion, behind Kobe and Michael Jordan, I have discussed this before several times, but I'm not going to get into that debate. I'm not going to get into that argument of the GOATs and who's number one, number two, number three, etc. If it's really them, if it's Kareem, if it's Will, I'm not going to get into that today. That is not my place, but I am going to say he's a multi-time champion. Sure, his NBA Finals record is really bad. Trust me, I've made fun of it completely, especially during the 2020 NBA Finals. I had a lot to say, but he's taken his team to 10 NBA Finals. He's been there, done that, won several MVPs. He's, I believe he's a 16-time All-Star. He's captain All-Star teams before. He's a leader. He takes um, the bull by the horns, and it's truly phenomenal. Every team that he's been on has won a championship. The Cavaliers, the Lakers, right? The double stint that he had with the Cavs. It's truly phenomenal when you think about it. So either way, if he plays another four seasons from this point on, the 40, that would be huge. 
I don't see him going down anytime soon. My personal opinion on LeBron is going to be he's going to play in our four seasons. Because if he's playing a million dollars in his body per year, imagine just everything. I get it, injuries are taking effect on him. But now that he's having extra rest, especially getting the boot by the Suns in six in the first round, he's been able to have more injury time to have rest, rehab, condition back his body, try to get things back into the flow of just calming, having some rest, not always going, not always having pressure on your body, uh, muscles, joints, getting, having that pressure on them, having, getting worn out, so it's nice, he's going to be able to recover, but that is positive, positive things that you want to hear from your, one of your two-star players, that you're committed to come back to LA, that you're not going to try to go somewhere else, and despite age, take age out of it right now, if you could get another two to three years out of him, or even all four, if he wants to play till he's 40 in LA, that would be huge. He's already he's already had eighteen years in NBA. He when if he plays another four, he'll be in his twenty second year. That is insane, and I believe that would surpass or come, or just tie Vince Carter's record. Or no, was it twenty? No, he may surpass that because I believe he only played twenty twenty one seasons. But yeah, a huge deal. But that is the breaking news. The man has said himself. Uh, LeBron James has said himself, this is not speculation on how many seasons he wants to play. This is what he said, and that's what he wants to do. Okay, talking about head coach, well, I guess we really weren't talking about head coaches, but now we're going to talk about head coaches, right? Because the Pelicans, they never were able to figure out who their head coach was. This past week, these two weeks ago, after letting go the abject failure that Stan Van Gundy is and how he had a disappointing season and how Brandon Ingram cannot stand him or anyone else in that locker room, whether or not they've came out and given names or publicly did it, but privately for sure, even people within the Pelicans organization was not happy with him. Was not happy with the results of going 31 and 41, I believe, and missing the playing tournament. So, yeah, so he'll. So, the Pelicans need to replace Stan Van Gundy. He, they fired him. They fired him right about on a Wednesday, crazy Wednesday, and we covered that on the podcast. But guess who they had? This man has new NBA Finals experience. He's an assistant head coach. He's played 12 years in the NBA. He is a player and coach. He is Willie Green. You may not know who Willie Green is, but he has been in his second season with the Phoenix Suns as the assistant head coach. And now he emerges as a front as the front runner for the Pelicans job. And it went as far, and this was confirmed by uh, Woj from ESPN, that he is their top choice, they, they, that he is the Pelicans' choice to be the head coach of their franchise after just one season of Stan Van Gundy. 
And then previously, Alvin Gentry, who coached many, many seasons with the Pelicans. So Willie Green, who has unofficially been decided to be their head coach, is a front runner. And most front runners that have been that's been named has always converted. So I believe come the end of this season, come the end, whoever wins the NBA Finals, whether that be in five, six, or seven, who knows? We're gonna we will potentially and probably see Willie Green, assistant coach from the Phoenix Suns, be your new head coach and be the third youngest head coach ever. Will be the youngest coach to head coach a team ever. I believe he's 38 years old. Uh, let me fact check that right now because he should be. 38 years old? I could be wrong, but 30, 39. I was wrong by a year. I apologize. But yeah, he he played for 12 years in the league. He actually played a season for the Pelicans. And how funny is this? So the year he played for the Pelicans in 2010, Monty Williams was the head coach, and he was playing with Chris Paul. Now in 2021, 11 years later... About a decade later, we now see uh, Green and Monty coaching and Chris Paul and Devin Booker leading the charge. How funny that all comes back full circle to where Green now has the opportunity to be a head coach. So, really, really cool. Really, really cool. I just thought that was interesting to point out. And, yeah. So, that's what we have. Willie Green. Willie Green emerges as the front runner for the Pelicans job to be their new head coach. Are we excited about that? Are we not excited about that? I think it's really cool. Willie Green has done a great job this season. High praise came from everyone, especially Monty Williams during the season. The Phoenix Suns seemed pretty excited that Willie Green has gotten this opportunity. Well, it's not official yet, but he's gotten his opportunity to be this front runner, and it's pretty cool. And I'm excited as a Phoenix Suns fan, and just seeing, uh, just being a fan in general, right? Just seeing how this all can play out. And I believe after the Pelicans, would that be the final head coach? I seen that be the final head coach, that um, like the final team that has a vacant spot for their uh, coaching position. Um. I think I think it'll be it because I know the Celtics have covered it, Trailblazers have covered it with Chauncey Billups. I know um, different. I know Mavericks covered it, and the Pacers covered it. I know different teams like that covered it. So yeah, see, I think we're good. I think we're running off to a great start so far, or or starting heading into the off season, uh, free agency, the draft, right post. NBA Finals, but I'm not going to jump too much, um, too far into that, right? Because we got to enjoy the moment here and now. We got to spectate on this moment, and we just got to review and just view in the future of this NBA Finals series. With that being said, let us continue with the breaking news, because this is going to be a lot of breaking news. Look. 
the Lakers needing our peace. Look, the Lakers, they're trying to get back LeBron. LeBron wants to be in the Lake uh with the LA Lakers. This could be a reunion, meaning LeBron's gonna say, you know, I'm gonna stick through it. And I gave it a second thought. I'm gonna continue. Let's ink up a two to three year contract or just year by year. That also works. But interesting reports and rumors are coming out. That if Carmel Anthony decides not to resign with the Portland Trailblazers, then the Lakers are most likely to land a free agent. The land Carmel Anthony. How interesting would be that to have LeBron, Melo, Davis, and who um whoever else they have that they have now on the roster or potentially going to get after Melo. Um, Melo has had a career resurgence just from being blackballed from the league, having that whole story came out a few years ago, and now having a chance to come back, play, make headlines for the right reasons, of course, play for the Portland Trailblazers, and now just having a chance of just playing again because he's played with Portland from 2018, I mean 2019 to 2020, Houston in 2018. He's put up great numbers. And he's only 37 years old. So if he wants to play a season or two left, let's just say he's like, okay, let's play, let's play one season with LA. Let's see if I can win a championship before my time's over. That would be something. And now, because he doesn't have to be the main guy, so he could be like, he could score 10 to 13 points a game, which he was doing with Portland anyways. So I'm excited about that move. It's going to be interesting if the Lakers come to a deal with him, comes to terms with him. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers were able to get him, but I don't believe that's the star that they were talking about or the great player, good player that they were talking about. There's always rumors of Damian Lord Wright, who's trying to force a trade out of Portland after 12 long, miserable years of just staggering and just inching and climbing for puffs and just having your hopes dashed, right? But that is the news right now. This is a rumor. This is speculation. But if you were to turn down the Portland Trailblazers, say, you know what? After two years, I'm going to move on. I don't want to play for Chauncey Billups, etc., etc. I'm going to go to L.A. I like it in L.A. LeBron's pretty cool. And he wants to play with LeBron and AD. Uh, that could be an interesting thing to see, right? I don't know how that will turn out. But right now, we have a potential spot for the Lakers to fill with Carmelo Anthony. Because Carmelo Anthony will bring that veteranness would bring that uh, oh, uh, good shooting touch, right? He would be in our weapon for them. Not a, like, not a dangerous one. It's like you would see with Damian Lillard or LeBron or even AD for that matter. But he is a weapon that can be used in like the second unit that can be used in good situations like in a, like, Delayed in the second quarter, late in the fourth quarter. You need a few baskets, and he can be that guy. So, Mello, 
that's pretty interesting. I'm going to keep you guys updated on that. The Lakers could be signing him. We're going to know within the next few weeks when free agency opens up. Now, now this is now talking. Now, that was just signing. Now, get this. Get this. Now, let's move on to trades. These next two and final two uh, pieces of breaking news is about trades. It's about considering the possibility of trading for X or not caring for a player. And this is what the Knicks are showing. The Knicks have reportedly... This is what was reported by the Knicks. Ready? That the Knicks are not considering, that they do not consider R.J. Barrett untouchable if trading for a superstar. So they'll give up their 17-point per game uh, potential developing star who was drafted with the third overall pick. And they'll trade him. And they're going to try to get Damian Lillard. Someone like that. They're going to they're gonna keep him in the mix. They're going to keep him in the mix. So keep that, keep, that, keep that in the back of your mind. That R.J. Barrett could soon be out of New York. If they find him. If they find a superstar caliber player that they, excuse me, that they find good, that they find useful, impactful, going to be able to turn around this organization to keep them going that Julius Randle, uh, Tom Thibodeau, etc. has started, right? So keep that in your mind because this also goes into Damian Lillard situation, but this also goes into Colin Sexton's situation, which I'm just going to talk about now because the Heat, the Knicks, and the Pacers are all interested in trading for Colin Sexton. Would this be the point guard? Would this be the point guard, the shooting guard? Potentially point guard, right? That you go, or shooting guard, either way, either way, he's a guard. Is that the superstar? Is that who you're going to call the superstar where you're like, We'll trade you R.J. Barrett. Now, if I'm the capped, I would take R.J. Barrett because I believe he is a good player, a good developing player who should, who deserves to be in that top five of the 2019 NBA draft, in my opinion, because I did an article about R.J. Barrett being underestimated, about being like underrated, and he's shown that he is more than just a role player, that he's more than just some side player while Zion and John Morant gets all the glory, gets all the praise, all the fame, different things like that. But RJ Barrett, he's he's been balling out. Like let me just tell you his second season, he improved dramatically. In every category, he improved the minutes by four and a half. He improved by points by three. He improved his field goal percentage by four. He improved his rebounds by um, point eight. And he improved his assists by point four. That came to 44% from the field, which he's shooting 17 points per game, five rebounds, and three assists. That is nice. That is a nice, nice um, per game. 
if you're able to score that consistently, that is huge. His last game that he had, he scored 17, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. So never count him out. He was a huge factor, or one of the many factors, that kept him somewhat close in these Knicks-Hawks series that happened in the first round before they got booted by the Atlanta Hawks, by the villain Trey Young, right? So he was one of those main factors with Julius Randle, with Derrick Rose, their sixth man, um, and different pieces like that. So it'll be interesting what they'll do if they come, if the Cavs are like, you know what, we want RJ, we'll give you Colin Sexton, a few of our pieces, whether that be draft picks or just different players and whatnot, exchange players, draft picks, cash, whatever. You're like, you know what, Colin Sexton for RJ, cancel the rest out. I kind of like that. I kind of like that because RJ's great and so is Colin Sexton. But you also got to wonder, I'm going to look at Colin Sexton real quick. He's a shooting guard. And the last time I considered or looked on the Knicks roster, they don't have a really good shooting guard. That, well, they have RJ Barrett. But what I mean by not a very good shooting guard is that you're basically swapping the two. So basically what you're saying to yourself is you're going to trade RJ Barrett for Colin Sexton. Would you want to stick with him by that point, or are you going to try to get Kevin Love too? But at that point, why would you want to get an old-aged or aging center when you could just keep Mitchell Robinson or get someone better, younger, more spry, more life into him, like better impacting? And sure, Kevin Love still has his game with him, but he's he's aging. And injuries have been playing effect on him. And you could say, well, Mitchell Robinson's young and he has injuries too. And I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying, younger for this Knicks roster is better, especially for Tom Thibodeau. Because when he's able to coach younger guys and have Derrick Rose as the veteran mindset, the veteran presence, and have that awareness, it worked. Now, could the Knicks have just gone lucky with this season? Yes and no. Yes and no. Because I believe the Knicks are going to be a redefined team. I believe the Knicks are going to be this one team that's going to come out of the dust. That's going to have like, you know, we finished we finished within the top five. We were in the number four seed, 41-31. Last 10 games, we were 7-3. Let's try to go out there, get a few pieces, try to keep building around this roster, and just help Tom Thibodeau grow this team and help the players expand better and just grow in the winning, especially if they're going to try to cut down on eighty-two, on the 82 games or keep the 82 games in the playing. Because you got to remember, Adam Silver did say that the playing tournament was returning back for next season, which is huge for teams that go up to the 10th, 11th seed. So that is something very important to try or to watch on. So if I'm the New York Knicks and I have that playing tournament, that has a cushion, but still, high expectations are going to be coming now. Like, not from a record standpoint, but like, can Tom Thibodeau, who won Coach of the Year award this season, can he deliver again? Can he help his team again 
like he did this season. Can Derrick Rose be a factor with the sixth man if he does resign? Can Julius Randle be that dominant again? What would the Knicks look like if Mitchell Robinson wasn't injured for the entire, for majority of the season? That would be big questions. And if they're healthy enough to compete, I would be scared, especially if they got uh, Colin Sexton. In the ideal world, I like to have Colin Sexton and RJ Barrett. I just know that's not going to work. And knowing his luck, RJ Barrett's going to be shipped away. And the thing is, is that if you trade away RJ for Damian, sure, you're just switching out shooting guards and whatnot. But I would rather take Colin Sexton over Damian Lillard in some respects. I'll talk about that more when I get closer because it comes in different areas. Damian Lillard is a great shooter. He has he has a deep, wicked three-point shot. A beautiful one that is like a bullseye, like dead shot, right into the basket, can't miss. Will give you 50-point games. Will give you his heart. Wow, Colin Sexton's still trying to figure out his feeding, his footing. And let me just look at this real quick. I don't even think Damian Lillard's like, in his mid-30s. Yeah, I think he's, like, in his early 30s. Even if that. Yeah, he's 30 years old now. So, that'll be interesting to see. Because, well, also, he also just wants to be traded somewhere. And it's not to him where he gets traded, right? It's up to the organization. But he wants to be in a contender. He wants to be with a playoff team. that could be a serious contender for gold. Whether that be the Warriors, the Lakers... Or maybe even the Knicks. Just using the Knicks as an example since we're talking about them. I don't know. It would be a very huge stretch if like someone said to me, Knicks can go to the NBA Finals. I don't believe that can happen this season. I don't, or I'm sorry, next season. I just don't believe that can happen. Unless something drastically happens and they become like this powerful super team. They're forming players. They're getting everyone together and they're yelling and they have great chemistry, and they just shoot terrifically, and they have lockdown defense. I don't know. You never know, but I'm not taking them to the NBA Finals. First round was good. Let's see them go back to first round the NBA Finals or get past the playing tournament like they did this season. I don't expect them going number four or five right now. I have to see how free agency plays out, but with all of that being said, that is the breaking news. That, my friends, that is the breaking news. As RJ Barrett is not untouchable. Should we be surprised? Maybe not. But you never know. It just depends what that superstar really is, right? And it also depends what interest, like what high interest, what kind of real interest they have in both Lillard and Sexton. Without further ado... Conspiracies are not really this podcasting. The only conspiracy I've ever really had was, um, man, what was one conspiracy I ever had? Oh, oh, man. I never had a conspiracy in my life. Like, um, um, aliens? No? Okay. That one's out. I never had a conspiracy in my life until now. But can you really call it a conspiracy? Monty, and this is what he never did say, maybe he doesn't think this is a conspiracy. 
What if this is a ploy to kill the Phoenix Suns momentum and kill their chances of winning a finals? Is it because of Scott Foster? Listen to the quote, and this is quote-unquote what Money had to say, taking a shot to referees and Giannis. Here's starting to begin the quote. We had 16 free throws tonight. One person had 17, end quote. If you do not get that, it's a direct correlation to Giannis being able to draw those fouls and the referees suddenly giving the Phoenix Suns 24 fouls to the Bucks 18. And that allows Giannis to shoot 17 free throws that I completed. He, he shot 20 free throws. He had shot 20 free throws. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fact check that real quick. Because why not? I just I just find it I find it interesting. Money has a lot of truth to that. Come on, I'm not saying that the every loss of the Suns have is going to come down to the conspiracy of Scott Foster. But look at this. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I made a mistake. He shot 17 free throws and he converted 13. Still he had 17 free throw opportunities. The Suns only had 16. Do you know how crazy that is? Besides Giannis's 17 attempts, there was only 26 whole ass bucks. And you could say, well, that's the same as Devin Booker when he had his run with drawing fouls. But let me tell you this. He didn't have 17 attempts. Sure, we can say, well, he had 10, but still, it wasn't that consistent where every time the Suns made a run or they looked to catch a little win, that there was fouls, that there was just random fouls going on. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's like this huge conspiracy. I'm just saying, I'm going to let you guys come to your own conclusion, but Scott Foster, let me say this to you. You may never listen to my podcast. You may never even know me. You may never even heard my website. I don't care. But I do know this about you. And I'm going to pull this up on my social media account. Because I posted about this. I posted about you today. I've ran ran an interesting poll I'm going to get to. It's not against the Suns. It's not only against the Suns. That he has biased against. Hatred against. Chris Paul is public enemy number one. Chris Paul's record in the past with Scott Foster as a referee is 0 and 12. 0-12. 0-12. So over his entire Poff career, Scott Foster is 12-0 against Chris Paul. How many times has he done that to his sons? I would love to know. I would love to see the numbers on how many times the Suns lost when Scott Foster was there. Just in the playoffs or regular season or both. Because just being 0-12, that's such a coincidence that Chris Paul is 0-12 against Scott Foster in just the playoffs. Like, that beats me. Scott Foster must have some of the most un- unlucky 
uh, has some of the most unfortunate luck ever to where Chris Paul lost 12 straight times, 0-12, against a referee. I I can't believe it. Do we know how insane this is? The Phoenix Suns have to fight off a referee. One referee and his officiating crew. Not only do you have to face the box, but we got to face the refs. And that little quote I read off by Monty Williams, where we had 16 free throws tonight, one person had 17, that's a shot of Giannis, but that more comes as Scott Foster and his officiating crew. I'm just saying, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting when you look at it. You can say, well, you're just being conspiracy theorist. You're just being a biased fan. I also put out a poll. And I asked, are the Suns in trouble if Scott Foster continues to officiate their games? You ready? 89% people said yes. 11% said no. And 0% said quit blaming the refs. 89% believes that if Scott Foster continues to officiate the Phoenix Suns games, that the Phoenix Suns are hosed and they're in trouble and are going to be messed out of their championship opportunity. Why? Like, I, I don't know the story of Scott Foster. Please, if somebody knows the story of Scott Foster, tell me why he hates Chris Paul so much. Tell me why he has a angry a bias against his sons and Foster. I mean, and Paul. Just tell me why. Just... Just tell me why. If someone knows that, like, legitimately, I'm not being sarcastic here or snarky. I really don't know why. Why would a man have this much hate, this much to conspire against just one team in the NBA Finals? And it's not like we're talking about the Warriors when they were dominant or any other team. This is a team that has not seen the uh, playoff, it's not seen the NBA Finals for 28 years. They've never won a championship. They've always been the underdogs. It's impressive that they're able to hold on. So now we have to do what we did against the LA Clippers. Is have to beat the officiating crew. And now the Bucks officiating crew. Or just the officiating crew in general. So we got to beat the Bucks and Scott Foster's officiating crew. I just... I can't find it. I can't find it fathomable. I can't find it imaginable. Where we're like Chris Paul, and that's just Chris Paul's record of being 0 12 against Scott Foster. And he's a referee. He's cost us 12 games. Or just Chris Paul. And I'm not saying every single game he was out to get. I'm just saying that's a pretty impressive record, pretty impressive losing record. I would say, oh, it's different. It's against the player. It's player against player. But no, this is referee against player. And when you're able to have that much of control over a game and you're able to dictate dictate how many free throws a guy can have, that's a lot. Because what I struggle to believe is the fact that Giannis was able to draw all most of those fouls. A lot of them are questionable. Jay Crowder had a few fouls. But DeAndre Ayn. Had five fouls. And when DeAndre, who got off to a tremendous first court start, first half start, 
had gone five fouls to end the game, but had to sit after getting three fouls. Does Scott Foster know that that DeAndre Ayn was cooking up, so he had to make sure there were some fouls given? Or did Scott Foster know that Chris Paul, who also had a few fouls, or even Devin Booker, for that matter, even though Devin Booker's cool, he didn't want to take a chance. Mikel Bridges, he didn't want to take a chance. Why was it coming down to the fouls? Why was it coming down to free throws? Imagine this. Ima- imagine this. I'm going to pull this up real quick. Imagine if they didn't get all their free throws. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you how many points they scored off of free throws. I'm gonna, I'm, I apologize. It's taking me forever to get to this, but look at this. I'm going to team stats right now. They had twenty out of twenty six converted free throws. They had twenty made free throws. That means twenty points. That means they beat us by twenty. If they didn't have those twenty free throws made, we would be tied. Yeah, you could just say that's coincidence. That's a luck. That means nothing. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, I'll go with that one. I'll give you that one. But when the record's against us, when Scott Foster hates us, and and he's not even hiding it. And this is just not me saying it. This is not like a group of guys like, he, 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 he's hating us. He hates us. Like, no, that's not, it's not like a, like a little minion conspiracy fear. That's not us ganging up on one guy who's been in the league for 27 years. It was trending on Twitter. NBA Ringer. NBA Ringer knew that. High-level uh, Twitter accounts about the, uh, that talked about the NBA, that from the NBA, talked about Scott Fisher. Everybody said, oh, Scott Fisher's here. Son's going to lose. Why did everyone know that? Because the reason why they know that, the reason why they're jumping to his collusions aren't because we're negative people. We just we just want to blame it on a referee that happened to be Scott Foster. No, but he has a track record of this. And I just find it funny. And that's the Scott Foster conspiracy. It's not a theory. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's real. I think it's deep. And I think it's frightening. Especially in this upcoming game four tomorrow, that could decide the Bucks' future. I'm telling you, I'm telling you what, the Bucks are going to be getting 26 to 30 free throws that game, or at least maybe even just the Suns having 20 to 30 fouls. And if that's the case, imagine Scott. Foster's name appearing on social media all over over the place. 89% from my poll said yes. The Suns would be in trouble if Scott Foster continued officiating the games. He trended on Twitter in the ringer and everyone else was blowing him up saying that the Suns were over four. People know it. People know the record of 0-12. Just against Chris Paul, not just against the Suns. That's just Chris Paul. But that that to me is concerning. And if I, if I were the Phoenix Suns, I would do everything in my power 
to not even try to touch on us because you can't even go up to go up for a good contested shot without getting called the foul because he flops, he he dramatizes it. And then Scott Foster says, oh, that's a foul, that's a foul, that's a foul. We're so on the officiating crew. I'm just saying, it's very interesting when you look at it, especially now in the NBA Finals. Oh, move, moving off of that because I can keep talking about this man forever, and I promise you what, I promise you my bottom dollar down Wednesday, tomorrow, um, several hours before tip-off. I'm going to talk about this man again. I'm not going to forget about him, especially not a day span. I don't have uh, memory issues where I can't remember that, right? So I'll be able to remember his name. I'll be able to remember all of the actions he took against us. Unofficially official, right? But uh, moving besides that, Bucks, Suns. I talked a lot about it um, yesterday. I'm going to talk about it. Briefly here, right, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to cover, but also have to talk about on Wednesday too, because it's like one of those things, like I don't want to put all my content here that I have nothing to talk about tomorrow, unless you guys want to hear me talk about for 30 minutes straight about Scott Foster, but I don't want to lose everyone, because I think that I'll drive you guys insane, I think I really will make your ears bleed about how much, how much I could talk about this conspiracy theory all day long. Not even kidding. Not even kidding. But look, all all putting that matter to side. Devin Booker, three of fourteen, only ten points. People are lighting him like lighting him up like a Christmas tree. Had his worst worst game in forever, especially in his postseason. Look, you expect that in the game free, but. This is not new from Devin Booker. He's been really, really poor from the field, except for one game in game two. He's been getting better, sure, but she's been inconsistent a lot of times. It's been bad. <coughs> oh, I apologize. I'm going to read you off the entire series of just Milwaukee. 3 of 14. 12 of 25, great game. And then 8 of 21. You ready to hear the Clippers? See, I great to hear the Clippers series. Starting from game 6 going down to game 1. 10 of 26, 9 of 22, 8 of 22, 5 of 21, 5 of 16, 15 of 29. He's just got to be getting better consistently. Because even if he can't score, at least try to pass it, try to rebound, try to play solid defense without having to have the your opponents draw the foul, get easy foul on get easy fouls on you, easy buckets. Because the ultimate thing, Devin Booker, if he cannot get hot, is just able to hit a few frees or hit a few shots at a time. Let Chris Paul do his thing. Try to get a rhythm from the point guard to the center to the shooting guard. And just keep going down and down. Because you can almost set up like a Christmas tree. At the top of the tree, you have Chris Paul. And then on the second or on the second letter going down, you have 
uh, Devin Booker and uh, Garen Jane. And then on the fertile area, three guys, which would be Mikel Crowder and um, Cameron Payne or Johnson, or Cameron, Cameron Payne or Cameron Johnson, right? So it's interesting when you look at it that way because it's like it starts at the top and it goes a ways down. And Crowder had a huge game, 6-7 from the free-point area, and now it's his entire night. He scored 18 points just from the free-point uh, line, just from that area, which is truly astounding, which is truly amazing. Like that, the, This is the best underrated role player that we've seen in this postseason entirely for the Phoenix Suns, and no one's really talking about him. And they should be because he's kept his son's team in check and had some rhythm of life. Even they're in their game free loss. All I know is that Devin Booker's got to shoot better. They have to stop giving him many second uh, chance points. And that relies on the entire team. Jay Crowder's got to get physical. When Torrey Craig's in there, I get it he's limited. I get it that his mobility and strength's limited due to his injury. I get that. I guess Sargent has had his torn ACL and whatnot. Can't come back from that. But we have to stop him get second and third chance points. It kills us. It sends him to the line more. And it just drains us more to make us more fatigued. And it gets Giannis going more. Now, defensively, if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I'll say, I'll say this. Work it like the Jordan Complex. And the Jordan complex is where you say to yourself, okay, let Jordan score 40, 50, 60. How many points he wants to get? Let him do that. But don't let Kukoc, Pippen, BJ, no one else score. Just isolate them, but let Michael Jordan wear himself out and just kill him. Keep scoring, scoring, scoring. And that was the defensive mindset many teams had because that's what the, that's what the Bucks need to do. They need to say, I mean, the Suns need to do, they need to say, you know what, Giannis, go off for 40, go off for 50, wear your body down, wear your joints down, wear your knee down, your injured, hyperextended knee, wear yourself down, let uh, Frank the Tank Kaminsky uh, bang on you, bang on your knee and whatnot, wear yourself down as you're trying to go into the post, fade away, drive in, lay up, stunks, free points, etc., because as he's doing that, just isolate Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Don't let them go in. If they catch a fire, that's the problem. Because in game three, Drew Holiday came up huge. So did uh, Chris Middleton. Whether that was from the three-point area, because they were feeling themselves, or from mid-range, or just driving in. And that was an issue that they are facing because... Once Drew Holiday got it kicked off, he was not going to stop. And he actually ended with, um, where's it, where's it, where's it, with 21 points. And that second to Chris Milton with 18 points. And, of course, he had Giannis with 41. So the thing is, is that I rather have Giannis score 50 points game four. But don't let Middleton get past 10 points. Don't let Holiday get past 10 to 15 points. Isolate him. You have to go old-fashioned fundamentals, boxing out, especially for those rebounds. 
because the reason why they're killing you so much is because they're getting those second, third, even fourth chance buckets, which is draining us mentally and physically, bringing more fatigue on, bringing more fouls on, bringing more trouble upon us and giving them better momentum, better rhythm, better range, and better open shots and just better contested shots that go to their favor. Truly. That's why Middleton was able to catch fire early. That's why they're able to have their 39 third quarter third quarter lead. Or run, rather. And we just cannot have that again. Just not again. They were just overly aggressive because they were able to wear us down when we needed to wear them down. More so Giannis. Let Giannis do his thing. But just isolate and contain Bobby Portis. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and try to do for Brook Lopez too because Brook Lopez plays like a traditional center, meaning he takes a three-point shot. He can make it. Don't underestimate him. Do not underrate him from that because you don't want to make him have wide-open shots, but you can live with that. You can live with Giannis. You can live with a Giannis free. You can live with a Lopez free. However, do not let Lopez get control in the paint. Ain't has to be physically dominant. He has to say, you know what? This is my yard. This is my territory. This is my court. This is my area. And I'm just going to be physical. He's got to go up stronger than ever. He's got to put some contact on Brooke Lopez. He's got to get down there and do the gritty gutty stuff that he may normally not want to do or just not feel like he wants to do. Because it may be one of those situations where he may or may not be feeling himself, but he still has to play good D because if Lopez gets going and Kaminsky can't stop him, if Nadir can't stop him, if Craig can't stop him, if no one can stop him, it has to be Aine. Aine actually catched really good fire in that first half, played much better that game. Um, so yeah, congratulations to it. Congratulations to him because offensively he was masterful. He was a maestro. Just in the paint, getting those tough uh, jumpers. He had a really sweet jumper. Getting that put back dunk, slamming it in there, getting the easy layups, and it basically comes down for the Phoenix Suns of just controlling at their pace more. Setting the tone, containing the Bucks, use the Jordan complex. You have to. You have to defensively. And offensively, you gotta get Chris Paul start. You gotta get Devin Booker in a nice rhythm. He's gotta snap it. But here's the thing I expect Devin Booker to go off for 20 to 30 points and shoot his mind out. Just shoot the lights out in that core. Just go all out. Hit those freeze. Hit those uh, dagger wing shots. Hit those mid-range shots. Because not every shot, and this applies for everyone on that team, does not have to be a free-pointer. I get it. We're trying to recreate our 50%, 20 of 40 uh, from the free-point area from game two. But the mid-range game is where Chris Paul goes unconscious. That's where we make our good buckets. That's where if we attack the hole, if we attack the lane, just get it to the hoop, get it to the rim. That would be huge for us, and that will bring us much more success because if we bring it to them and bring our physicality, 
our intenseness and we show that we wanted more and put the pressure on the Bucks because the Bucks have tons of pressure in this game because it's going to be game four. If they lose, they're down 3 1 in a contention of elimination. But if they win, they tie it to a piece. So a lot's riding on them more, but we still have to keep the stakes high for both of us, for both sides, mainly for us because we want to win. Put them in that elimination situation. So we'll have to fight off the refs and the Bucks. You just got to hold on. You just got to play really solid defense. Isolate the guys that cause you damage like Holiday and Middleton and Lopez. And for whatever reason, don't let P.J. Tucker hit a three-pointer. The old man actually was able to launch one off without actually complaining or whining. I know, it's it was very monumental. It was the first time he did not whine. I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised that he has more shoes than he does career points. But should we be shocked by that? No, I don't think so. I think it's all he's got left to live for in his NBA career. Shoes. But besides that, that is all I have to say. I'm going to come out with more, but... That was pretty much the main stuff because that's what they have to do. It does not have to be um this it doesn't have to be complex. It could be as simple as that. Meaning in terms of what I'm saying, it's not gonna be a simple game. It's gonna be a hard rolling game for both sides as the pressure mounts for the Bucks and just strategy for both teams is gonna be at high and just trying to get that first step, that first foot to and in the right direction out the door trying just to seal the deal early in the first half, then keeping that lead in the second half, whether you're either team. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a sight to see, and I cannot wait. Again, it's going to be on Wednesday night, 6 p.m. ABC. We're no longer doing the 5 p.m. AZ time, 8 p.m. Eastern, nothing like that. That was only a one-time thing. That was for Sunday. But besides that, that is all I got. We talked about breaking news. We talked about social media. We talked about Scott Fisher and the conspiracy theory. But really not a conspiracy theory. It's actually a real thing with the records and whatnot. I'll talk about more on tomorrow's podcast episode. Of which um, when I have that set to release... When I when we're done at eight AM, we'll actually be ten hours away from the game. So that's gonna be really exciting. I can't wait. And I'll I'll see you guys on the next podcast episode. Thank you guys for listening. Rally the Valley, go Suns. This is our time to shine. We're not gonna let Foster, we're not gonna let Giannis, we're not gonna let anybody dictate our series gonna put us down. No, this is our time to shine. We are the Valley, and we are about to go off. Go Suns. We'll see you Wednesday.